2008 World Champions of Baseball. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. It's Wednesday, July 24th, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight with my partner, Jim Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Phils have won 7 of 10, including 2 of 3 from Denny Malloy's Buckos, I might add, and are now 6 games out after today's win. It's E-A-G-L-E-S time as training camp gets started. The first preseason game just 15 days away, August the 8th. And you had two memorable events this week, the Rolling Stones and getting to meet, then interview, one of your favorite Phillies, Willie Montanez. (laughs) Yeah, as a kid in the 70s, one of my favorite players was Willie the Philly Bill. So it was fun to meet him and talk with him at Carl's Cards last Saturday and then interview him earlier today for our show. And you know how I love the Stones. Yeah, I saw them last night for the fifth time, presumably the last time, but you never know. And they did not disappoint. We'll talk more about that later. But in a nutshell, a terrific two-hour show, and Mick Jagger continues to amaze. Had a great time. Hey, I just wanted to know, did you figure out how to get a selfie with Mick with him up on the stage? <laughs> I did not. I was not close enough, although I probably could have done it with the, the big screens that they had. It looked like, you know, he was – 50 feet tall. I could have positioned myself that way, but no, no selfies with Mick, unfortunately. No. Hey, I did want to ask you, we will talk about the stones a little bit later on, but what was the crowd? Was it, uh, was it really packed? Full house. Uh, it was at the link and I guess it holds over 60,000 for a concert. You know, they block off the seats behind the stage, but you can sit down on the field. So there's uh, general seating down there. And it was a full house. I mean, it was sold out. So it was well over 60,000 people. And it was all ages. I mean, you saw people up to, I, I swear, 85 years old. I'm not kidding. And I also saw several hundred teenagers, too. So fans of all ages love the Stones, Bill. Very cool. All right. Well, hey, Chet, we got two great guests again tonight in WIP's James Seltzer. And as mentioned, the Philly Montanez. This is going to be a good one again tonight. Yeah, it is. Uh, As you said, Eagles training camp opens its doors. Uh, I guess they did that today, the first practice tomorrow. And there are certainly lots of storylines to keep an eye on, including the crowded backfield, the D-line rotation, the progress of guys like Jordan Mailata and rookie Andre Dillard. Is Sidney Jones finally healthy? Lots of things to watch between now and early September when they start playing games that count. Absolutely. Uh, Before we get started, with James here in just a minute, I did want to kind of give a shout out as we're talking about the NFL camp. Chad, I think you might have seen where my son, my oldest son, is in Colts camp. Uh, he has a job with the Indianapolis Colts through training camp, and we're really excited about that and hope it turns into really special. Yeah, you mentioned that to me, and that's great. That, that's, uh, that's a cool thing, uh, you know, working there with all the players, so I wish him the best of luck. That'll be awesome. Yeah, looking forward to hearing from him tonight. I haven't heard from him. He's been up there for about 10 days, but today was uh, was. Hopefully it all works out well. Mm-hmm. 
Do we have James with us yet? Yes, we I do. I believe Let's we do. Yeah, on. Let's, on, uh, yeah, well, as we said, there's so much to talk about. No one better to talk to about it than WIP's James Seltzer. James, welcome back. I think that's way too kind. There are many people who are better to talk to about it than me, but I'm I'm happy to fill a role. <laughs> Play along with us, James. <laughs> hey, James. <laughs> no, it's awesome to be back, guys. It's a pleasure. <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining us once again. And right off the bat, James, although I love you, I'm going to start off by, I guess, ripping you a little bit, giving you some grief, and you probably know why. You went up to Cooperstown for Hall of Fame weekend, and you left town before the inductions. Come on, man. Explain yourself and tell us about the weekend otherwise. Yes. Uh, fair grief, but uh, the explanation is very easy. Easy. I have a seven-and-a-half-month-old daughter who I left with my wife for the weekend, and there was no way I was waiting until after the speeches to come home. It just was what it was. But, uh, look, I uh, the, the Hall of Fame weekend in general was – just amazing it was a uh, a really special kind of thing if you're a baseball nerd like me just to get to go up there and especially that weekend where you're walking down the street and ozzy smith is there and daryl strawberry's there and you know i saw fergus and jenkins there's so many just like hall of famers just hanging out tommy lasorda um so it's a really really cool experience and then you could spend just hours in the museum looking at every plaque and every display and everything so it was amazing i would have loved to have gone to the speeches if i could have but um i couldn't and also it was like a thousand degrees there too so (laughs) i I don't feel that bad about missing them and i did hear you say on monday there were a lot of phillies fans in attendance i guess uh, probably some halliday jerseys i'm guessing oh yeah unfortunately there were way too many yankees fans there which uh is never fun but um you know for good reason obviously with mariana rivera and Mike Messina going in and all that. But um, it was really actually wild how well represented all the fan bases of the inductees were. There were tons of Mariners fans there. I saw a ton of Edgar Martinez jerseys and jerseys and all that stuff. And um, also just how, like, there's a lot of fans from everywhere. It just seems like people will go up for Hall of Fame weekend even if their players aren't getting inducted. And, and the cool part is everyone wears their colors, you know. You see Braves fans walking next to Indians fans and Yankee fans and this and that. And it doesn't really matter. It just uh, it was a really neat experience from a baseball fan perspective. I bet it was. Him Am I back? back? Oh well, there you are. Hey, Am I here? He You're up. We missed Carry you, on, Bill. <laughs> hey, uh, James. I wanted to ask you as a follow-up. Uh, did you stay up there? And if so, there, I've been up there many times, and there's just not a whole lot of places to stay. How far out of town did you have to stay? We actually got lucky. It wasn't too bad. We were in an Airbnb. I was up there with a a group of people. Um, We had like 12, 13 people with us, and we were in like an Airbnb, and it was only like two, three miles out of town. It wasn't bad at all. But you're right, Bill. It gets crazy there. Like you pull up to the town, like it's like people are just uh, offering up their parking, you know, their their driveways and whatnot for like $40 to to park your car. It's crazy. So, yeah, I can imagine it gets pretty crazy in terms of where you could stay and all that as well. Well, James, the 2019 Phillies have not played like Hall of Famers much of the season. They have won, I guess, four out of five or five out of six now. Bill's prediction of 96 wins not looking great. I said 91. That's a reach at this point. I'm sure it's the subpar pitching staff that will get most of the blame. But, you know, what do you say about this season so far, and will they add somebody in the next week? Yeah, uh, both great questions great points it is uh it's been a frustrating season i think i was at 92 wins uh as well so i was kind of where you're at um 
look, obviously they haven't. Here's the thing: it's a kind of a weird, frustrating situation because you know right now they are a half a game out with their win today. Depending on what happens tonight, they're a a uh, you know either tied for or a half game back in the wild card race. They could even be a half game up theoretically on how things play out tonight uh, in terms of that second wild card. So. But at the same time, we all watch them play every night, and we just know they're not a great team. You know, you watch teams like the Dodgers, and we, it felt like a miracle that we split against them at home, no less. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's crazy. But at the same time, like, they are in competition for a playoff spot. And I think that I'll get to the trade question in a second, but I do think that one thing that we kind of underrate is the importance of the Phillies actually getting that wild card or at least competing for it. I think everyone was just like, oh, we're going to win the division and all that. And, and now that it seems like that's a unlikely, you know, situation right now with the way the Braves have played and the lead that they have. But this team still hasn't made the playoffs since 2011. And just have the chance to not only have that one game to maybe get into like a real playoff, you know, uh, seven-game series, even with the opportunity to play in September, get meaningful reps for playoff spots, where basically, you know, the last week, week and a half of the season, it's essentially all playoff games anyway. And I think for a young team without a lot of guys who have had that experience, I think it's really important. So I don't think – and also just to make the playoffs as a team that hasn't made it since 2011, I think is an important milestone too. Um, But again, like as I said before, it's kind of frustrating because they just don't feel that great. And I think the biggest issue has just been – uh, underperformance of guys who are here combined with some bad luck. I mean, Bryce Harper has played better lately, but hasn't been good enough. I mean, offensively, when you look at the lineup, I mean, outside of Reese Hoskins, and, you know, Kingery has cooled down a bit, but still having a, a better-than-expected year, you could say. I mean, there's no one else on the team who's exceeding what your expectations were for them coming into the season. So I think the guys on the team have to play better for them to have a real chance, but I mean, the bullpen has just been crushed by injuries, the underperformance of the starters. You hope that now Pavetta, who we had counted on so much in the starting rotation, can go into the bullpen and and flash. And again, it was against the Tigers, so I don't want to get too excited. They're the worst team in baseball. But (laughs) Pavetta can can use his two-pitch arsenal and really be an effective multi-inning reliever for them in high-leverage situations. That would be awesome. Uh, But – which, which kind of leads us into the, the trade question. And I'm really torn because it does seem like, look, I don't think they're trading for any rentals. They're not trading for Madison Baumgartner. They're not trading for anyone who uh, every single pitcher they've been connected to, whether it's, you know, today was the Trevor Bauer rumor. We've heard them connected to Marcus Stroman, to Robbie Ray, to Zach Greinke, to Mike Miner. All these guys have one thing in common. They are signed through at least next season. And in Matthew Boyd's case, signed through three more years after that. So, I think that if they're going to make a, a, a significant deal, let's call it, for a starting pitcher, it's going to be for someone like that who will be here not just for this year but also next year or even longer because they know that they're not a favorite this year. They know they're going to have to play a one-game wild card. They know the Dodgers are better, the Yankees are better, the Astros are better, and anything can happen, but um, I don't think they're going to go all in for this season, which you know they've kind of said, as we've heard Clint Hack and, and McPhail say recently, but um, I do think that if they trade for a guy who has multiple years of team control, maybe we could see them go for someone who is a little bit more of a higher-end type of guy. The other alternative, which I think is maybe just as likely, if not more, 
is that they go out and try and find some band-aid type moves. The types of moves we saw last season, and, and last season it was more for, for to fill in the lineup as opposed to the starting staff, but I think this year the starting staff, but the type of trades, the Estrubal Cabrera's, the Wilson Ramoses from last year, whether it's a guy like Tanner Rowark, who's a starter for the Reds, who's fine, a nice pitcher. You know, he's certainly better than, and I know Velasquez pitched well today, but he's better than Velasquez. He's better than what Pavetta's given us. Like, he would be a nice guy to have in your rotation, but that dude's not swinging a series for you. Whereas if it's a guy like Trevor Bauer, who was the rumor today, John Morosi said they've had talks, who signed through next season, who may not be the most likable guy in the world, but is a hell of a pitcher. I think, in my opinion, the best arm of all these guys we've talked about. If it's someone like that, I mean, that is the kind of guy who could win you a wild card game if Nola has to pitch the last game of the season to get you in, or someone who could be a difference maker in a seven-game series. Like, if you put Nolan Bauer 1-2 in a, in a series, like, I mean, anything could happen. It's the playoffs and pitching wins like that. So uh, I think the next five, six days, five days, but between now and the deadline are, are crucially important because it's every little bit that they have to inform them on their decision of, of you know, where they're at in terms of the division, playing the Braves three games this weekend, crucially important, um, and just where they are in the playoff picture, I think could really inform the decisions, but I'm really torn. I'm, I'm like 50, 50 that it's either going to be something for a Bauer minor Ray type of guy, or just some kind of minor band-aid moves. And here's my dilemma with exactly what you said is, you know, are you, are you willing to give up Adam Hazley, Mickey Moniak or Alex Braun to do that? And because to get a top rate starter, it's going to take, at least one of them and another as part of the package. And I don't know that I sitting here today think this team's good enough to unload any one of the three of those guys for the future. See, I would be all right moving Moniak or Hazley in the right deal. I wouldn't be looking to do it. For me, going into this trade deadline, and again, it's all on a case-by-case basis. I, I, you know, it's dependent upon what guy you're getting, how many years he has left, all that stuff. But in a perfect world or whatever type of deal comes up, really the only two guys in the Phillies farm system that I really don't want them to trade no matter what is Alec Baum and Spencer Howard. Other than those two guys, I could be persuaded. Now, Hazley's starting to show something at the major league level. I like the way his swing looks. I like him as a contact guy. I prefer they don't trade Hazley because it can help them now. But um, ultimately, on a, on a baseline level, and again, it's all dependent on the player we're getting back and the deal that it is, I would trade everyone in the system but Baum and Howard. And I would trade Baum and Howard if it's the right, right deal, but that would have to be for someone. And I, that, the only way I think those guys are getting moved is in a Matthew Boyd deal, and I don't think Boyd is good enough, to even with three years of team control, and I like him, but I don't think he's good enough to trade one of those two guys for So. That's the only type of deal I'd be super leery about. But otherwise, you know, I'm not 100% sold that Mickey Moniak is going to be a a major league, you know, a good major league caliber player, much less a great one, much less an okay one. Same thing with Hazy. I like Hazy. I like what I've seen. Um, But I think at least for now, I think Baum is, I think Baum's going to be really good. And I I feel really good about where he's at. Howard, it just uh, they don't have pitching prospects, high end pitching prospects that I feel good about. Howard's really the only guy in the rotate in the minors that they have right now who I feel could theoretically be a one or two at the major league level. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at in terms of the prospects and trades and whatnot. 
Let's switch it up. Eagles training camp is open. James, first practice tomorrow. There's MVP talk for Carson Wentz. There are a bunch of great weapons on offense. The defense should be good, if not very good. How are you feeling about this Birds team as they open the doors over at the NovaCare Complex? I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I legitimately think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I feel wow. awesome about this team. Yeah, I do. Um, I, look, it all comes down to ultimately, look, in terms of, of depth at every position and high-end talent, mix of all that, I mean, maybe there's one or two other rosters you could point to, but in my opinion, they have the deepest roster in the NFL. It all comes down to whether you think, you know, we're going to get 2017 Carson Wentz again and whether he can stay healthy. Obviously, the second part of that I can't answer, though. I do think that the whole always-so-injury-prone thing is, is overblown because it's not, the, it's not like he says that he torn his ACL four times or something like that. It's, it's different injuries to different parts of the body, and – those feel fluky to me. It's football. We've seen that so many times. Frank Gore got hurt, what, the first two years of his career, and now is you know, like the seventh all-time leading rusher. I mean, that stuff happens. But I think that most people, and not I hate to say well, people forget, but we don't talk enough about how great Wentz was for those 13 games or 12 and a half games in, in 2017. He was the best player in football. The best player in football for a 12 and a half game stretch. And I think it comes down to whether you believe we're going to see a Carson Wentz who's more like that guy or more like the kind of injured, struggling guy we've seen the last, you know, year-ish or so. So um, I, I think we're going to see the former. I think we're going to see Carson Wentz. I think the biggest thing last offseason was, and obviously the back injury played a role in all that, but he was a guy who just didn't have a full offseason to work on football. All he had was an offseason to worry about getting that knee right, and he came back too quick, and we all knew it, and all that stuff. This offseason, he can focus on football. He can focus on which the last time he had a healthy offseason to work about and to only focus on football, he came back in 2017 and was the best player in the NFL. So, uh, obviously, the health part, you know, you either think he's going to get hurt or you don't, or you think it's, totally up in the air, but I think the other part of it, I feel really good about Carson Wentz, and I think they have the deepest team in the league. They've shown they can do it before. There are no teams that really scare me that much in the NFC or in the AFC, for that matter, so yeah, I feel awesome about the Eagles this year, and I feel really confident they're going to play deep into the season. Awesome. Well, and one of the concerns I have, and I'm with you, too, I think offensively, they've loaded up with just a ton of weapons, but you know, Jason Peters, uh, Brooks coming back from injuries concern me. Uh, they they have tried Absolutely. to stockpile a little bit behind them uh, with some youngsters. And, well, Big V's not a youngster anymore. Um, Samola's still – I guess he's still there, right? Um, yeah, yeah, he'll be a starting guy. And, you know, and then they drafted the big, the big tackle. So, it looks like they've tried to plan ahead, uh, but it worries me a little bit with Brooks and Peters and their health going into the season. Oh, Bill, absolutely. I agree with you. I think that's, you know, if you're looking for, and again, that's the thing with any NFL roster is that there's always going to be holes, and then there's going to be holes on top of holes because guys are going to get hurt. We've seen it. It's every year. Every team is depleted by the time the season ends. And, you know, it's definitely a worry when you're heading into the season with some type of injury concerns. But um, everything we hear about Brandon Brooks is that he's making incredible progress. He is saying he's going to be ready for the start of the season. I find that hard to believe. I mean, that's a really bad injury, and it happened in the playoffs late in the year. So, I mean, God bless him if he can get back by then. I'm not counting on it. But I do think that the fact that he's making this great progress and the fact that they're talking about it does mean, 
so you can feel better about having him deeper into the season later in the season. And I think that ultimately, you know, they're pretty well stocked to to kind of fill those those holes. I think bringing Wiz back was it was it was a great move. I think that was a really smart move. I know that he's been kind of a volatile figure there for some reason. They just don't love him. But I think Wiz is someone who gives you some stability there. Uh, obviously, Tamalo. Tamalo actually looked really good as the season went on last year. I feel fine with that guy as a guard. Um, and then, you know, they've been moving Big V into guard to give you a little bit of flexibility there. I think Peters is the kind of bigger worry in the sense that, you know, I don't feel incredibly confident that Andre Dillard is going to be ready to go right away. I love the pick. I love the pick. I think they got a really talented kid at a spot where they're clearly going to need to, you know, move into the future there, and that's a tough spot to fill. So I love the pick. I just think it's a lot to ask for him to step in right away. So um, Peters worries me for sure. I think that the, the overall depth along the line will help them find their way through it. But, yeah, absolutely, if I had to – if I had to pick two or three players on the team who are most concerning in terms of what we need from them as opposed to what we might get from them, Peters is absolutely on that list. James, can you stay with us five more minutes? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, let me get your take on the Sixers. Uh, Butler and Reddick are gone. Lots of new faces yet again. Horford, Josh Richardson, rookie Matisse Thibel, among others. You like these new-look Sixers? I actually do. And, uh, you know, I know that it's not perfect, um, but I'm a big Al Horford fan. I think, I think that, and I know it doesn't seem like it's a great fit. And and uh, you know, and a lot of people call him average Al, which I think is absurdity. I mean, that guy does so many different things that make teams better. But I think that the thing that we haven't talked enough about with the Horford thing is that he's going to be here to like mentor Embiid. I, I, you know, we've seen so many issues with Embiid. Is look, the, we all know, and and I love Ben Simmons. I think it was the right move to bring him back. We all know, just shoot the ball. I mean, we're all there. We know where it's at, but. He's still an, he's 22 years old and he's so physically talented and gifted. And um, I, I feel good about Simmons developing further down the road with the caveat, obviously, getting the shot. But this team goes as Embiid goes. We all know that. I mean, this team will either win a championship based on whether Joel Embiid can take them there or not. And I think even a guy like Horford, who, first of all, is the guy who's defended Embiid the best of anyone in the league, easily. We all know that. I think bringing that guy in and, and having him just here to – not only play aside, alongside Embiid, not only to spell Embiid when needed, but also just kind of show Embiid the right way to go about things, to help teach him little nuances of the game. Little moves. I mean, Embiid hasn't played basketball that long. You know, organized basketball, that's the crazy thing. Only a couple of years for Kentucky and all that stuff. So, um, Kansas, I mean, excuse me. Um, so, I think that having Orford here is going to be a really big help to Embiid. And, it's going to be a funky lineup, I, I know. I think Harris as the third option makes a lot more sense than Harris as the fourth option. I wasn't a huge Jimmy Butler fan. I certainly I, – I liked him. I love what he did in the playoffs, but I didn't want to give that guy $190 million. That seemed like a, a horrendous decision to me. So I'm actually pretty happy with what they did. I like Josh Richardson. They didn't get nothing for Butler. And honestly, I think the biggest thing is that the NBA is wide open this year. I mean – for the first time in, what, five years? And, and really, in a long time, you know, on a, on a general level, we really have a totally wide-open NBA where there is not a clear favorite going into the season. I mean, I bet on the Clippers, sure. But, you know, the Sixers actually don't have a season with, a, with the best chance to actually win a title in a realistic sense um, in a really long time. And I think that's exciting. I wouldn't bet on them to win it, but 
they could win it. And that's awesome. Well, hey, James, I want to I want to jump over real quick for you before Chet finishes up. I I have a question for you because you at WIP certainly have a great pulse on the Philly fan base. And the flyer season is starting to get ready to roll. And we have this whole Kate Smith thing. And uh, what I see in social media is still a lot of negativity toward the flyers and, and the organization. Uh, do you feel that way? And uh, how do you feel that the fans are feeling? Yeah, look, I think, honestly, I think it's almost worse than negativity. I think fans are apathetic about the Flyers, which is worse. I just don't think people care right now, and I don't blame them. Um, I'm not saying I'm angry at them, but I think they've done a really bad job over the last few years. I mean, I think the Hextall era will go down as as largely an era of missed opportunities, of attempts at growth but never really – taking that next step. I think Dave Haxall was a horrible hire that he stuck with way, way too long. And also just for a long time seemed to continue to, to go about their business the same way. And they always have the, the alumni in the building. And I know Holmgren now apparently maybe finally gone. And, you know, all of a sudden Chuck Fletcher's here and he's in charge of everything. We'll see. Um, I do like the Elaine Neal hire. I think he's a really good head coach, but, um, they just don't have enough talent. They just don't have enough speed. They don't have enough, you know, of today's NHL players. And um, I, I think that the X factor is that for the first time, uh, you know, since I was six years old or whatever, was Ron Hextall, like they actually have a real true blue <laughs> young goalie who could be something special. And I think that's kind of an X factor, especially in a sport where all you need is a goalie stand on his head for a couple months and you can win a cup. Uh, but I just think that right now they, they have they've kind of taken all the, the fan credibility that they had and have kind of just, you know, frittered it away. And I think now is the time where they need to start to build something real and show fans that they're going to build something real or else they're just going to continue to lose interest. And in a city where, as we've talked about, and look, the Phillies, uh, as we said, you know, we're kind of disappointed and stuff, but they're still playing for a wild card chance, the chance to make the playoffs, the Sixers and Eagles, we just talked about how I think the Eagles will win the title, are certainly one of the main contenders for it, and the Sixers are going to go into the season as a top six or seven title contender uh, in a wide open NBA, so I think when you look at it that way and look at what the other three teams are doing, it just feels like the Flyers are getting lapped, and they need to kind of grab some of that back before they start to really lose people. Yep. Well, James, we always like to finish uh, with something fun, and I could have talked about Joe DeCamera being able to stick his foot in his mouth and bite his toenails, but that's just too creepy. So we, we don't need to do that. That's a no, that. no. I've but that I gotta say, <laughs> I gotta say, this cracked me up in hearing it on WIP a couple of weeks ago, folks. This is James doing an impression of a strip club DJ. All right, coming to the stage now is Cherry. <laughs> Give me a little more. Give me a little more. <laughs> Folks, get your dollar bills out, because coming to the stage right now, you've seen her before, you'll see her again. How about Lexus to the stage? <laughs> All right. <laughs> James, I got to tell you, I was laughing out loud. And by the way, you went with Cherry and Lexus. Oh, my research tells me, and this is from other people, of course, who've been in these places, that other popular stripper names right. include Crystal, Tiffany, Amber, Brandy, Angel, Alexis, Jasmine, and Ginger. That's good work by you. I generally <laughs> feel like you can just pick any sort of car 
and you're coming to the stage is Portia. You know, like anything like yep, that, and yep. you're usually in pretty good shape. And coming now, filling in for Portia, we got Mercedes on the stage. Pay her, you know, like that kind of stuff. So uh, I think yeah. you got a nighttime it's job now, James. I, yeah, you got, I a, little, know, right? you got a little part-time I actually, job. Yeah, uh, I was trying to do a radio DJ voice, but somehow it turned into a strip club announcer <laughs> voice. So whatever. Was. Great stuff. Awesome. All right, well, James, hey, we appreciate you taking time to join us. We appreciate you coming by for sure. Oh, guys, I appreciate you having me anytime. Happy to do it. Uh, Chad, Phil, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, fellas. All Thanks. right. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Let's take a break to once again tell you what's happening at the Irish Rovers Station House in Langhorn. And we'll get some help on that front from the Irish Rovers, Chris Gaskill. Welcome back, Chris. Hi, Chad. How are you? I'm great. Chris, you know, I stopped at the Rover last Friday evening, had a nice chat with WMMR's Marcus, who was there as part of a Land Shark Logger event. And there's going to be more shark-related things happening in the week ahead, I believe. Is that right? Yes. Land Shark again this week. Shark Week starts on Sunday. It is our favorite week of the month. You can watch all your favorite shark programming, kick back with a pint of Land Shark, and enter to win some great prizes. That's pretty cool. And, you know, something else that's pretty neat is that the Irish Rover has something special happening in just about a month from now, August 25th. I think you know what I'm referring to. I am so excited. I can't wait to welcome you guys back for a live recruiting. And I have some exciting news. I should have some silly tickets for a lucky listener. Terrific. Yeah, we're still working on the details, but Bill Furman, Fred Hugo, and I will be there for our second appearance at the Rover. Had a great time back in March, and we're working on having a special guest join us. Plus, as you said, we'll have some giveaways, maybe some Phillies tickets, some other stuff perhaps, and other fun stuff to go along with always fun Philly sports chat. We'll see you August 25th at the Irish Rover on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn. Looking forward to it. We got some Phillies tickets. We got nice music, too, by the way, Chet. Uh, looking forward <laughs> to headed to the Rover. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Again, it's August 25th. I think we failed to mention the time. It'll be 2 p.m. It's a Sunday, August 25th. So uh, mark your calendars. Put us on it and come see us. We'll have more details as we get closer to August 25th. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, Chet, as mentioned in the opening, NFL camps are open. Preseason game for the Birds, August 8th. You know, I'm not a big fan of preseason games. How about you? I don't think anybody's a big fan of preseason games, Bill, except maybe guys on the fringe of a roster trying to make the team. Most of the games are boring with lots of empty seats in the stadiums. The starters seem to be in there for you know fewer and fewer plays every year in preseason. So not a fan, but as we said, they are worthwhile in seeing to an extent how rookies and other young guys are progressing, how players like Sidney Jones and Corey Clement and others coming off injuries are looking. But beyond that, I wish we could just fast forward to September 8th. Yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, these first ones are, are bad. And, I, and you know, I think that the, we talked about this a little bit last week where you've got uh, a ticket to go to the only public uh, mm. camp day. Uh, and, it, you know, I think it's really preseason is bad enough not having the fans be able to be involved makes it just the worst to me uh i think it's a real real bad move by the eagles yeah i do too and i didn't see the story but i know there was a story out yesterday i guess don smolensky explaining why they're only doing one but i didn't get to read it because i was a little busy with the whole rolling stones thing yesterday um but i'm curious to see exactly why they did cut it back from two to one and you know they're charging 10 bucks so 
I, I don't know what the reason is. I didn't get to see that, but uh, I don't care what the answer is. You got to have more than one. It's crazy. Yeah, well, and you know, you sure miss the old days where you could just you could walk with the players from the from the locker room to the field and kids carried their gear and I mean those were the real old days the Ray Dittinger days Ray told us about with Tommy McDonald you know I don't certainly go back quite that far but um, it's just a whole different environment and to me it's 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 not good for the game that the fans are a bit disconnected in this yeah I agree and we didn't get to talk to this you and I earlier or with James but the birds re-signed Darren Sproles last week so they have now, I believe, seven running backs with NFL experience plus rookie Miles Sanders on the roster. That's eight guys. So I'm wondering, if Sproles is healthy, does he definitely make the team, Bill? What do you think? I think not. Um, oh. I think he's going to have to earn the job. I don't, you know, I think they have other guys, maybe Miles Sanders being one of them, that can do a lot of the things that Darren Sproles can do. I. You know, you can't have enough, as we found out last year when we were down to the fifth or sixth when Josh Adams actually turned into a pretty good football player uh, sitting there on the practice squad. But you can't have enough of them, but you can't bury them all either. So they, they've got to make some moves. But Darren Sproles, uh, you know, I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he's coming to camp, but I don't think he's a sure bet. Hmm. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I don't even know how much they're going to play him, though, in the preseason. We'll see. And I'm still not sure if Corey Clement is 100% healthy or not because he had problems last season, and we haven't really heard a whole lot about that. But maybe with training camp now opening, we'll get an update on that in the next day or two. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Corey Clement fan, and uh, yeah. and I said all along last year I didn't think he played one down healthy uh, the whole entire season, and, and it showed. Um, him getting back healthy would certainly be a, a big help, that's for sure. Absolutely. One one quick question before – one other quick question for you, Chet. We'll just touch on this, and we'll get back to it maybe next week. What do you think about the proposal of taking 16 games and making it into 18 regular season games without all the gory details? What's your, what's your off-the-top thought? Well, I don't like it. Uh, I think 16 is the perfect amount. You know, they went from 12 years and years ago up to 14, which it was for a long time, and then they went up to 16. I think 16 is the perfect amount. Keep it that way. I know the NFL would like to go to 18 to make more money. but And then the other thing was, and we kind of alluded to this, uh, this crazy idea that the NFL is floating about going to an 18-game schedule, but allowing coaches to play each player only 16 games during the regular season. Did you hear about this? The Wall Street I Journal did. wrote a story about it. It's ridiculous. I did. Because you're going to have, you know, coaches sitting your starting quarterback for two games, your star wide receiver for two games. And while it would be kind of fun to, you know, maybe figure out which games they're going to sit these guys out or which guys are going to play which, but it would just be chaotic, I think. And it's not going to fly with anybody, I don't think. And uh, it's just kind of silly. Well, yeah, and uh, you end up sitting your quarterback a lot of games because you had to replace your left tackle because it was his uh, week to be off and the, the backup yeah. left tackle gets your quarterback killed. Uh, that That's not going to happen. That That's just not no. going to happen. Not going to happen. All right, Chet, we'll get back to that. We'll talk a lot more about that as football gets rolling. I'm very excited about it. But, hey, if you're looking for insurance yet in the tri-state area, we got the spot for you, Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. Yeah, one of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. 
Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Call Dave today, 610-430-0700. Again, Dave Lavoie at Allstate in Westchester, 610-430-0700. And I promise you'll be sure to get plenty of satisfaction. And if I can hit this button and make it play, you're going to hear it. Oh, I knew that was coming. Knew that one was coming. Well, hey, Chet, as we said, you got to meet one of your favorites and Willie Montanez over at Carl's Cards last Saturday. You turned that into an interview for tonight's show. And tell us how it all played out. And who didn't love Willie the Philly? Oh, yeah. As I mentioned to you, I'm not a huge autograph guy, but as anyone who is a Facebook friend of mine knows, I love pictures. But in Willie's case, I opted I opted for both. So, yeah, I got an autograph from him, paid for it, by the way. Uh, he was a real favorite of mine back in the early 70s when he came up and played with the Phils. Just his personality and the fact that he could play, finishing second in rookie of the year balloting. Um, so, anyway, I said hello to him, and we chatted at Carl's Cards. And then I said, what the heck, let's see if he'll come on the show. And he agreed. And, by the way, a shout-out to Bill Mattis because I somehow got a couple of the numbers in Willie's phone number mixed up, and I had trouble contacting him. But Bill Mattis helped me out on Monday in getting the correct number for Willie. So there you go. Bill's a good man. Yes, he is. All right. So so how did you uh, – I mean, you just asked him, and he said, yeah, that'd be cool. Let's do this, but I'm, I'm going to be in Puerto Rico. Yeah, he was flying back to Puerto Rico on Sunday. So I'm thinking, oh, wow. So – uh, is he going to be able to talk to me? I mean, I know they have phones, obviously, in Puerto Rico, but I don't know what the situation is, what the quality is going to be. And, well, here's the deal. He is in Puerto Rico, and we didn't get a crisp, clear phone line, but we did talk today. Most of the audio that I have here is okay, but in a couple of spots you'll find it a bit challenging. So listen closely because Willie has a lot to say, plus he's still got the the accent. So uh, listen and enjoy. I tried to smooth out the audio as best I could, and I think you will be able to understand it. So having said all that, here is our chat. Right now we're going to welcome one of my favorite Phillies from back in the day, a good hitter, a flashy fielder, and the runner-up for the National League Rookie of the Year in 1971, a very popular player in his day, Guillermo Willie Montanez. Hey, Willie. Hey, hi. How are you? I'm all right. Willie, it was great meeting you and chatting with you a bit this past weekend at Carl's Cards. Do you enjoy events like that where fans get to say hello to you? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You know, I enjoy uh, seeing their faces and, and uh, getting old. You know, they all say when I was a kid, when I was growing up, and wow, getting old. Yes, I do enjoy that. Well, as I mentioned, you were a very popular player during your time in Philly. You started as a center fielder, but then moved to first base. You were more comfortable at first base. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I played center field uh, in Pro Bowl for the first time in the big league. It happened that uh, we had Deron Johnson in first base. And yeah. uh, when I got to the Phillies, I started, you know, I played a little first at spring training and then move over and had uh, Frank. By the way, then. Uh, here he passed away. I'm sorry about that. Frank Lopesi. He asked me if I can play in the outfield. And I said, hey, you give me four or bad. I'll play it any place. <laughs> now, of course, old fans of yours like me remember that you did a bat flip when walking to the plate. You did a little snap of the glove after taking the throw from an infielder. Was it those sort of things that made you so popular with fans? Yeah, kind of. There were people that were counting the, the, the flip, and I didn't even notice. You know, there was a... It kind of came automatic. I was doing it, and uh, I didn't even know it. So I did, uh, going back to the outfield, 
And he did. They said, okay, well, you're playing center for you. So I said, okay. And, uh, and that's what I got my break, breaking in the big neck of the center fielder. Yep, you came up with the Angels in 66 briefly, but then you really made your mark with the Phillies, of course. You came up in late 1970, and then your first full season, 1971, you did play center field, and you hit 30 homers with 99 runs batted in, finishing second to Earl Williams in the Rookie of the Year voting. How much fun was that season? It was fun. It was fun, but, uh, you know, the first year, happy to be there. Uh, you know, one of those deals that played now in the big league. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really remember too much about it because it went so fast when, you know, first year, and I was learning everything. Lucky me, I had Tony Taylor there that uh, walked me through it, where to go, what to do, kind of, and uh, I was lucky, I was lucky. It was, it was fun. Do you remember your first home run? Yes, I did. Uh, it was against uh, Moose, especially for the Pirates. Oh, yeah, Bob Moose. Bob Moose. Bob Moose, yeah. It was a uh, land drive over the left field fence, right by the, the foul ball. Nice. Hey, Willie, we all love Citizens Bank Park now, but 1971 was the year Veterans Stadium opened. We don't think too highly of the vet nowadays, but how did you and the other players like it when it first opened? Well, it was beautiful. You know, brand new, artificial grass, and uh, big lockers. I mean, remember, uh, uh, we closed uh, Connie Mac. Yeah, and uh, and the locker room in Connie Mac was small and uh, our ball park. It was great when uh, we moved over to the to the bed. Nothing like the one now, but back then it was beautiful. Willie, you were with the team when several other longtime Phillies broke into the big leagues, among them Larry Boa, Bob Boone, Larry Christensen, Greg Luzinski, and of course Mike Schmidt. Do you have fond memories of playing with those guys? Oh yeah. We had a lot of talent that was missing something, you know, the little things to, to, to win the ball game. You know what I mean? We played five good innings and something happened in between that. That thing that, the thing that uh, the win ball game, the little things. We didn't win too many games. Well, yeah, as you said, the, the team wasn't real good in the early 70s. In 1972, except for once every four days when you had that new guy on the mound, Steve Carlton, what do you remember about his 27-win season and what it was like when he was pitching? What was it like? Win day. Win day. I mean, you know, we went through the, we went through the stretch that, uh, that he pitched, and uh, he got a couple of big hits. I mean, he went through the one, three, the two himself. So we just went up there and made the play for him, and uh, he took care of the rest. Uh, I remember I was uh, at the playing of Philadelphia that uh, we had to, had to move up move up the game uh, with uh, 20 minutes so people can come across the bridge and, uh, and see the first pitch. It was supposed to be 7, 7.35, and we started the game at 8 o'clock so that people can get into the ballpark. And, uh, oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, it was great mm-hmm. watching Lefty. I remember he facing, facing the Hank Aaron, and uh, he struck him out three times. That's the only time that Hank Aaron had a day like that. Yeah, I bet. Willie, the game of baseball is a bit different today than it was in the 1970s and 80s. Pitchers rarely com- uh, pitch complete games. There's fewer sacrifice bunts, fewer stolen base attempts, more strikeouts. Is any of that a good thing? I don't know if it's a good thing, <laughs> but... Um, that's, that's, it is different. It is different. Uh, I mean, uh, we didn't want to strike out at all the time. Hmm. I mean, I mean, now you strike out all the time, you better they, they hit thirty home runs. You know. Yeah, 
think it's too much now. I mean, that's that all the way from the minor league. Well, Willie, you were a pretty good hitter. You hit 275 for your career. You had three straight 300 seasons in the mid-1970s. You made an all-star team when you were with the Braves. And that was at a time when there were some great pitchers in baseball. I mean, in addition to lefty, you had Tom Seaver, Nolan Ryan, Don Sutton, Bob Gibson for a bit still, Gaylord Perry, Phil Necro. Which pitchers were toughest for you to hit? Well, I mean, uh, you know, Seaver. I mean, he, he, he was tough. Uh, who who was that? The Seaver. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Seaver, yeah. Terrific. Yeah, I mean, terrific. He, he had two types of sliders. Yeah, one, you know, like... Uh, Around the plate, and he had a shot one that, that, that would come in on him. Lost the fastball. Thank you, Bo. Lost the ball. High fastball and a breaking ball. Hey, Willie, do you still watch much baseball today? Yes, I do. I do. I got that uh, MRP channel, and uh, I do watch. Have you seen Have you seen much of the 2019 Phillies? They're in the wild card hunt, but they really need some pitching help. What do you think about this uh, Gabe Kapler Phillies team? Uh, I should say they need some pitchers. I think they 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 they, they weaken the the bullpen. They are, I think, uh, somebody to to close the door. You can never have too much pitching. That's for sure. No, you never had too much pitching. Hey, Willie, one final thing. You battled cancer recently, but you told me you got some good news a few months back. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, everything came out with perfect, man. They treat me nice. And uh, I just got back. That was in October. I just got back for checkup, for three months checkup. But uh, I got the news here. I mean, that uh, I'm so free. Yeah, I so, love hearing that from you, Willie. Yeah, got the free. So look at me, you know. Now I got to be back in Gotta keep checking, but I loved hearing the news that you were cancer-free. Uh, Willie, as I said, you were one of my favorite Phillies in the 1970s, and having finally met you and talked with you in recent days, you'll forever be one of my favorites. So thank you for visiting you. Philly Press Box Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, Chad, I tell you what, that that's right up there with about as cool as it gets. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I love Willie, and he, he was great to talk to. I wish the audio would have been a little better in spots. But so nice to finally talk to him after rooting for him, you know, 45 years ago. No, it, it actually, the the audio on this end, it, it came out really good. And, uh, boy, I tell you, just some good stuff. And uh, I, I have forgotten because I haven't coached in a handful of years. But I used the term win day every time yeah. I walked into a locker room for a game I was coaching, whether it be football or baseball. Today was win day. It just yep, made me yep. smile when I heard that. I haven't heard it in a oh, long yeah. time. Yeah, I'm glad you caught that. And I forgot about that, too. Wind Day. That's what they said back then. Carlton on the mound, it's Wind Day. You know, they uh, they won, what, 57 games the whole year, but they won 27 of them with Lefty on the mound. Yep, yep. Very cool stuff. Uh, shoot, you probably could have talked to him for an hour. It's just great to have those kind of guys. Willie's 71 years old, and uh, glad yep. that, uh, you know, he's got the clear health, and that that's awesome. Glad. Glad you could do it for your own self, and glad you could do it here for Philly Press Box Radio, too. Yep, and hey, he mentioned uh, the Phillies pitching. We could always use more pitching, but he mentioned the bullpen. The bullpen's actually been great the last few days, 16 and two-thirds, I think, scoreless innings in a row. And uh, the uh, the kid uh, is looking – Ranger Suarez is looking like he Ranger can be like Suarez. a great setup man. Yeah, he's been yep. great lately. He so, has been pitching well, and, uh, boy, yeah. did they do they need him, too. Uh, because I, I, they don't have a closer, Chet. The closer's got yeah. issues, and uh, 
that that's a real problem for him. And, you know, especially, you know, I, I think Neres was okay. He probably got a lot more heat than he deserved to begin with. Now he's earned some of that. And if he's got confidence issues blowing ninth, ninth inning leads, he can't be the closer. They got to they gotta no. go somewhere else there. Sometimes he does look great, but most of the time I'm scared when he goes out there. He was fine today with a 4 nothing lead against the lowly Tigers, but, you know, really shaky the last couple of times he was out there. So, yeah, I, I really wish they'd have somebody else back at the back end of the bullpen, but he is what he is, and he's what we got. Yeah, and it looks like that Sir Anthony Dominguez has been moved to the 60-day. Yep. So he's done, and, uh, you know, there were some high hopes for him that didn't turn out so well this year. No, and David Robertson uh, pitched today his second live batting practice session, so hopefully he'll be on a rehab assignment and be ready to go with the big club in early August. But we'll see. Yep, good shout-out to uh, Drew Smiley. Nice uh, yeah. debut with the Bills. Needed that really, really bad. And uh, your boy, Double V, today <laughs> certainly pitched well like we thought he could, but now let's do it a few times in a row. Yeah, who saw that coming? Drew Smiley thrown great on Sunday after a shaky first inning. The guy with a 1-8 and record and ERA around 8.5 or whatever it was. And then Vinny V today going almost six complete innings. He made it through five and two-thirds shutouts, shutout innings. I think he had eight or nine strikeouts. Of course, it took him 110 pitches, but that's Vinny. So, uh, you know, if he can give them five or six innings like that every game, I'd be happy. Yep. Kind of excited to see Smiley go again. Uh, Other than the first inning where I'm sure there was a lot of nerves going on, he pitched very well uh, for the remaining five innings. Only gave up one in the first. Uh, Five solid innings. Looking forward to seeing him get his next start uh, this weekend against the Braves. Speaking of the Braves, Chet, this is a huge, huge weekend. Oh, it sure is, man. A big three-game series at home. The Phillies have a nine-game homestand coming up, so they got to make some hay here and, you know, firmly establish himself as a contender. Got to take two out of three this weekend. I don't know about the pitching rotation. I haven't heard what they're doing officially. I heard they might skip Zach Eflin or at least move him back a little bit. He was scheduled to go Friday initially, but now I heard they might move him. I don't know if they're going to move Nola up because, you know, he could pitch again uh, against the Braves theoretically on Sunday because that would be his fifth day. Uh, So we'll see what they do. Nola is going to pitch against the Braves. Is that official on Sunday? for sure. Yeah. Okay. They talked about it during the game. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Chet, before, I don't want to run out of time and miss this. Uh, I mentioned about you and a whole bunch of other old people got to see the Rolling Stones <laughs> last night at the link. Give us a little more rundown on that event. Well, first of all, it wasn't just old people, as I said. There were people of all ages, including teenagers. I saw people from, you know, 12 to 85 probably. I would say the majority of people were in their 50s and 60s, so I would fit in there somewhere. And, uh, of course, the guys on stage, the four main guys, have an average age of 75. The young guy, Ron Wood, is 72. you got Mick, who turns 76 this Friday. Happy birthday, Mick. And Keith Richards is 75. And the old man, Charlie, Charlie Watts on drums, is 78. But they were amazing. Mick is just incredible. Coming off the, the heart surgery just a few months back, he's still doing his thing, being Mick Jagger, prancing about the whole stage. Two hours, he never stopped moving. And i got to tell you one thing. In addition to the great music, Mick had some humor. He's probably got some guy who does this for every town. But he made a couple of jokes last night. They did Honky Tonk Women, which I shared on Facebook Live, and I cut it off too soon because at the end of Honky Tonk Women, he said, 
we just played down at the Jaguars Stadium in Jacksonville, and that's when I stopped the tape. He said, Nick Foles sends his best, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Pretty funny. Yeah. And then, and then later he said, so we're back in Philadelphia. And he said, uh, of course, we stopped at Wawa and got a hoagie. <laughs> he said, nice. except Charlie. He said, Charlie <laughs> only likes to shop at Sheets. <laughs> so a little humor from Mick Jagger. I, I love that. Oh, geez, how about that? Well, it sounds like a good time. I saw tons of pictures from different people I know that were there. And yeah. uh, other than other than, I, I'm sure, I think it was joking that uh, I saw some comments. Well, they only played for two hours, but daggum, <laughs> it's past their bedtime. <laughs> two hours is good. It was the perfect amount. It was like 18 or 19 songs. Of course, they finished up with Satisfaction as one of the encores right after Brown Sugar, the uh, final, the final two songs of the night. Great, great show, and I don't know if I'll ever see them again, but that was my fifth time, and they've been great every time, every one of those five times that I've seen them. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, let's talk about great guests again tonight, top of the line. So tell us what you got lined up for next week to come to Philly Press Box Radio. Well, after that big buildup, Bill, I'm sorry to say, but our guest next week is TBD, to be determined. I have not done a darn thing about next week's show. The Stones concert and some other things in recent days got me a little bit behind schedule, but we'll have somebody, and you'll be the first to know. Well, TBD better be <laughs> PDG. <laughs> what? <laughs> Pretty darn good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Confusing me here. Oh, carry on, right. carry on. Uh, I hear you. Hey, Tim, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Razroom. That's right. PPCC 118 Razroom on Facebook. And Chad, I can tell you, there's a Donovan McDab jersey, Eagles jersey, and Michael Vick jersey up there right now as part of a little fundraising effort going on to help the family that needs a little assistance. So trying to raise a little bit of money there, and uh, that's a couple of the items that uh, someone could possibly win. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Do you have a parting shot tonight, Mr. Chesco? Well, as I said, I've been busy, but I was going to do a parting shot on the Rolling Stones, but then I saw you had it on the agenda, so I scrapped it. So no parting shot about that. But what I'm going to do instead is replay this that we played last week, just because it made me laugh last week and it will make me laugh again, from the 1990s. Are the girls crazy about me? No way! It's your grass brothers too! Grass brothers, 901 South Street, still the stars! <laughs> just, I wanted to hear that again, that's all. You, you just thought you had to laugh at that, huh? And hey, one, do, one thing right. I do want to ask well, you about. I, you, you don't okay. have a parting shot, do you? You don't have one, nope. do you? No, go ahead. Okay, nope. one thing I want to ask you about real quickly. Uh, the Chicago White Sox the other day became the first team to put netting all around from foul pole to foul pole, you know, around the, the backstop and the first baseline, third baseline. What do you think of that? Does it take away from the game? I know it makes it safer, but uh, some people are not thrilled about it. What's your take on this massive netting at ballparks? 
Well, I can tell you, I mean, seeing one kid get hit in the face with a baseball is certainly one too many. So I get that. But I can tell you down here in the spring training stadiums, uh, and I live right down the street from the, the Detroit Tigers spring training, they did something a, a little bit like this last year or a couple of years ago uh, where they make the netting go all the way down past the dugouts. So they're pretty far down in smaller stadiums. Uh, yeah. But a buddy of mine down in Jupiter has tickets right on the dugout, row one, for spring training. And I've sat in them without the netting, and I sat in them with the netting this year. And it's a world of difference, and it isn't good from uh-huh. a fan's perspective. Yeah. So I heard where Mike, you were sitting right there. On 97.5, Mike Bicinelli was complaining about that because he did the same thing. He sat right there, and he said it's very distracting if you're sitting in those first couple of rows because you can clearly see the net, and it does kind of get distracting. But, yeah, it's all about safety, so it's the way it is. Yeah, well, and, and you know, you, you lose the effect of the, the players coming off the field and, you know, yeah. rolling the ball across the dugout to the kids and, and different things like that. You lose a little bit of the intimacy of the game, I guess you would call it. And putting it all the way down the baseline, however far they decide they're going to put it, geez, I, I just – I don't want to see anybody get hurt, obviously. But I just – yep, I think it's going to take away from the game. I agree. Pros and cons. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like you say, you, you certainly don't want to see kids get hit. But and, and the flip side of that, Chad, is so many people are there and they're distracted. They're playing on their phones. They're doing other things. They're not paying attention right. to the game. Right. So there's that part of it, too. So you're trying to protect people from themselves. Yes, sir. But that's right. the way it is. Wrap it up, Bill. Let's wrap it up because we have reached the top of the hour. So let's thank our special guest, James Seltzer and Willie the Philly Montanez. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chechesko, this is Bill Froman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, July 31st at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Well,